The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hey, Mike. Hey, Chet. What's up? What's What's up with you? Uh, I'm just sitting down to do this podcast with you. I've had a busy day and a very busy week, and I see it being continuing to be busy. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy this for what it is, sitting down and taking a break for a minute. Yeah, me too. It's been crazy crazy it has been it seems like though it's like i i keep thinking to myself that at some point in time it will be less so but i've never reached that point so (laughs) it's like i I should get tired of just saying oh my god it's so crazy all the time you know because it's like well that's kind of the norm so you think i'd be used to it by now yeah i was talking i guess that's why that's why i got my tattoo you know buy the ticket take the right yep yep (laughs) it says it all pretty much i remember talking to olivia um the pinup artist the famous pinup artist uh-huh. And all that stuff for Playboy throughout the eighties and nineties and she's she's super cool, but she told she was telling me I was complaining, I was bitching about, about my back hurting at one of these shows and she's you know, she's older than I am and she's like, Oh, can you come sit down in this chair? She pulls a chair up, and makes me sit down because I was complaining about my back. And I was just complaining about how busy I was all the time and she's like, It'll never get easier. It's never gonna get easier. She's been doing this for, you know, forever. So I'm just like, ah shit, just get used to it, I guess. <laughs> yep. It's just the way it is. It's what you do. I think it's the time you make, you know, because when I think about, and this kind of leads us a little bit into our topic for today, because we're we wanted to kind of reminisce uh, Chet's art. I like to paint monsters, the documentary that I directed and produced about Chet, um, and and I, you know, I think to myself, I get you get stuck in these mindsets because, like, when I was making that film, I was working as a full time casino cage manager, and the cage is where all the money is. So I had all these people underneath me, and all this money I was responsible for, and all these cameras on me, and it was just like a high stress job. But then I was making the film the same time and i got into this like mindset of like there's never enough time there's never enough time there's never (laughs) enough time and then after i left that job and i finished making the film and i was doing my own thing my corporation was running so on and so forth even though i still even though i did have lots more time i in my mind was still repeating that same mantra there's not enough time time." so i was like perennially stressed out and then at some point in time i realized i was like why are you doing this to yourself like First of all, you're you know you create your own reality. You're the director of your movie, you know. So it's like, why are you telling yourself what you don't want it to be? And then second of all, it's an outdated perception and myth anyway because you're not even living under those circumstances anymore. So it's just wild how those things hang on, you know. They like oh, get yeah, bar- definitely. barbs and stick in your brain. Yeah, conditioning, you know. It's like conditioning. So yeah, I guess we're uh, we're gonna speak today about. The making of I like to paint monsters. Chet Zar, I like to paint monsters. I guess it's called. That's an, one interesting story as well. How the title it is. changed, but um, a lot of things. The poster. There's a lot of interesting ideas. But we were just kind of talking about. I was thinking about them. We thought we wanted to do kind of a fun topic today that wasn't so intense um, and so you know information based. Since we've been doing these really informationy podcasts the last couple episodes and so i thought it might be i don't know might be cool to just have fun on this one and just talk about some of these crazy stories because there was a lot of good ones but i was thinking about it earlier today after you brought the idea up that uh what a significant thing it was for me at when you know and 
and you is like life changing, not because this the documentary is this humongous su- su- success, right? <laughs> but uh, just the experience of it was, you, you know, completely. I feel like, you know, my life kind of turned this weird corner at that point. You can kind of uh, gauge it by where we started making the movie, you know, just for, for so many reasons, it's hard to name them all, but you know, just the fact to, to have to think about your whole life from childhood to where you are now is so weird. I'd never done (laughs) it before. Really. It was like, again, my memory is so bad. It's I've always had this terrible memory that uh, it's, it, my life is just like a series of disorganized <laughs> events that didn't really have a timeline. So I had to go through. Well, I remember too, you kept saying about. over when we first met each other over and over, you were like, are you sure that like, I'm interesting enough for a film? <laughs> like, and you were so like, you were really attached to that. It was like a thing. You were I like, was serious. you know, I, am I, you were like, I don't really think I'm interesting enough. Like, I don't think you have enough for a film here. And you were serious. You were like being dead straight with me. And I kept telling you, no, 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 no. There's yeah. plenty of interesting things here. It's like, you know, it's kind of like one of like, when I went into therapy in the nineties, I was telling, you know, my therapist obviously knew I had these, you know, I went in there for issue issues. I had, she knew I had, you know, a pretty, uh, traumatic childhood and, you know, the way they kind of trick you into realizing it yourself, that's kind of how therapy works, I think. But, uh, I remember telling her, no, my life, my childhood was totally fine. It was normal. It was no big deal. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was the same kind of thing because I really didn't stop and think about my life has been totally weird and had all kinds of interesting things happen to me. Right. I had I really had no idea until we, you know, made this documentary. Well, and you know what's interesting, too, about that process is that, like, that is when you look at it, like, on a shamanic level, the whole idea, even if you look at, like, the Carlos Castanedian kind of perspective is, like, uh, recapitulation is one of the actions that you're supposed to go through as a warrior or a shaman, this person, that you have to recapitulate all of the events and things that happened in your life so that you're not crushed by the enormity of all the frivolous details that your mind, you know, kind of just – pushed off to the side so you can make your life livable, you know, that, that all of those little details come back in with this crushing force. And that's the whole idea of like your life flashing before your eyes. So there's this process in recapitulation of not just thinking about the things that happened, but actually going there, you know, and, and making a film, you're forced to not just look at it with a critical eye, but really you're having this person really investigate you and ask you deep, intense questions. And you don't really know them and you have to open up to them. And it's like, you know, so it is like therapy kind of, it's cathartic, you know? Yeah. 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 Super weird. I, I, I came out of it thinking, I really wish everybody could have someone make a documentary about their life. You know, it's because it was so enlightening to me to, to, to go through that process. And I really believe everybody's got an interesting life. You know, it's, if, if you don't think you do, it's probably because you haven't really thought about it. But life is crazy. You know, life is weird just normally. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the only reason that – here's the beauty of it is the only reason that you got to have that life-changing experience was because you opened up to a potential opportunity that came and knocked on your door, literally. I mean like your digital door, but I basically was like, hey, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I want to make a film about you. And so you – instead of – you know, you judged it based on your intuition. You were like, well, hmm. And I sent you some material and we we got to know each other. But nevertheless, you bit pretty quick on on it. You know, that was kind of – 
kind of a sketchy gamble. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was. You know, but again, it's like you you followed your bliss again, and that's what's funny is the whole documentary ended up being in many ways about following your bliss, right. and, and that's the process that you had already undergone. You know, multiple different stages in your career and your personal mm. life, and so here it was presenting itself to you again this opportunity to get scared and retract and and move away and say, oh, I don't know about that, or to be like, fuck it, scares me. Well, might as well try it, right. you know, and go towards it, and then look at this amazing catharsis that came out of it, these life-changing events, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. the, it's proof, you know? it's Again, it's proof that if you follow your bliss and do what you feel is right in your path of intuition, this path of heart, that ultimately you will end up beckoning these positive events and these synchronicities to align in such a way as to have these amazing life developments occur and transpire in a palpable way and in a way where you can really reflect upon them and be grateful for them, you know? Right. Well, uh, a big part of why I said yes is because I met you at that that um art the artist retreat and I right. did I got you know definitely got felt a good vibe with you and a connection and that you were a cool guy that was kind of the deciding factor really that's kind of you know I got to meet you in person if it was just some random person it might have been a little less a little more more sketchy or I might have been a little more hesitant but maybe maybe you should. I, I think we've t- covered it before, but maybe you could you could tell about how this whole thing came about in the first place. You know, again, just to re- sure, sure. refresh because it's a pretty cool story how it, <coughs> how it happened. You know, it is it is a cool and it has dreams in it, which of course yeah. makes me excited. And <laughs> we we touched on that on what like the second episode or something. Right. So it's it, we didn't really talk about it, so it's fun. Right. So yeah, I'll, I'll take that segue. Go for it. Um, you know, the the documentary is a funny thing. I was working as I mentioned earlier as a, a casino cage manager, and it's a very very, you know, just, I don't know, like normal job, I guess. I mean, and it's not, (laughs) I guess it's not normal. I don't know. It's just like a very professional based job where you have to go and you have all these hierarchical tiers of people that are above you looking down on you and people that are below you and all these checks and balances. And it's just like, it's a corporation. It's like working for a big corporation. It is a weird job too, though, because it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's fueled by people's addictions or addictive sure. behavior which is absolutely. kind of puts it in a weird moral ground you know what i mean it does yeah people it does. when absolutely. you bring up you know working at a casino i imagine that unless you know depending on where you lived but people maybe outside of a state where gambling is legal they might kind of go right. hmm it's like well, kind, of, kind of seedy you know what i mean it is well and here's the thing is that if you, I, i'll be i mean totally honest if you work in them or you spend time time in them, you will realize that in fact that that myth or generalization is absolutely true. It is seedy. It is. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's the truth. You know. Yeah. And when you and I first met, it was interesting because you have a connection to that, and I won't even you know go there unless you oh, want to. No, but yeah, you know, you, you I'll let you tell that. But anyway, the point being is is. You know, you have a connection to it that's not positive. And so when you and I first interfaced, obviously there was probably a little bit of like, huh, for you, but it didn't seem like I ever felt a rub at all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my my biological father, uh, Richard Cepeda, he was um, a gambling addict. That was like his big addiction. And, but he was a horse race guy. He used to take me to the horse races with him when I was a kid. So, yeah, gambling, and I never got it. I never got the idea of, gambling being an addictive thing it did not it still doesn't really make sense to me because it, it never just appealed to me at all but yeah there was that weird thing but i don't know i didn't feel like i 
ju- felt like I had to judge you on where where you worked or anything. But anyway, that's right, kind of right. kind of beside well, the point. It is, but but just to put it, put the caveat out there, because of course there's a, you know all different types of people that might listen to this, and so it's you know it, it is an important thing to talk about. Why not? It came up. I might as well mention it. Right. Um, when you work in casinos, particularly like at the level that I was working at, um, you are dealing with responsible gaming training, and so you have these people that come in on a quarterly basis, train you on how to spot people that have problem gambling that are addicted to gambling people that you know so on and so forth and then how to intervene and the casinos also dump a lot of money into treatment for it and so we even pay for in-house treatment for people and you can go and try you can help get them banned from multiple other casinos you can help get them in you know placed for free at a place that will help them with their addiction uh so there's a lot of that that goes on now the, the amount of people in a managerial uh position that actually in Gauge that type of behavior is slim, and that's the mm-hmm. sad part. Whereas, who being who I am, I would have I have many times I've engaged in multiple interventions. Uh, you know, it's it, it, in fact I you know I won't go into a big story, but I saw one woman who was there for like three days straight. You know, and she was running her credit card up, and I was like, this is not okay. You know, she's not. She was saying all the things. You know, and I was so I actually went and got HR, and we got together and got security, and went over and talked to her, and you know, got and got her help ultimately, and she we we did help her. But I guess the point is, is that yeah, certainly it's a it's not a, you're in many ways you're earning off the suffering of others. You know, and it's hard to shake it any other way. But if you are working some positive within that, because that that does exist, then at least you're doing something within this paradigm that's ultimately negative to try to shift that energy in a positive manner. Even if that's with your employees that are below you and they bring their problems to you and you're like, I, you know, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So it, you know, it's, you have this opportunity there to help people directly because it's an intimate environment and they get to know you and you see them on a regular basis. They're your regulars. And so, you know, it's intense. <laughs> Sorry, bumps. I'm, I'm, I'm not even something's going it. when you're talking, I'm hearing. <laughs> My whole casino story shot from my my uh, I'm sorry, base, I'm sorry. base stand down here. Anyway, uh, the whole point of all of this was that I was working in this professional capacity, and I was doing that because I was able then to do creative stuff on the side. And I had been doing this for years. I had been doing this for 15 years, where I was basically working in a casino, and then I would have time also at work as well as outside of work to do my work, to write screenplays, write books, work on film, all that kind of stuff. And so when I took on this project, I was working at the highest level. I'd ever been at and it was the most amount of stress and it took the most amount of effort and there was very little time at work to do side stuff. Nevertheless, I saw Chet Zar's work because I finally got onto Facebook and I had been like one of those technophobes who was like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't oh, want to deal were, with it. You got, you got on Facebook before? In 2010. Before you saw my work for the first time? Yeah, I saw your work through Facebook. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So in 2010, when I got on Facebook, one of my high school friends came out of the woodwork, and his profile pic was Pipe Dream, and that was Abraham Woods, Abe Woods. And I love the guy. He's an amazing artist. And so he had this. And I was like, I saw this picture and I was like, I'm telling you, and and you and I talked about this, and I'm I'm so passionate about it, though, that it's like, I saw Pipe Dream, this and I clicked on it and blew it up and I, and I was new to Facebook. So I was like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> I have seen that exact thing in dreams. I, I, or whatever you want to call it, parallel, you know, multiverse experience. I don't know what the, you know, what you want to call it, but in, in those states of altered consciousness, I have seen that thing period. I've seen it in all the details that Chet painted it. And I was like, 
Oh my God. Okay. This is so weird. Who is this guy who painted this thing that is something that I've seen in a state of consciousness that I didn't know other people necessarily had access to, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it tripped me out. So I like went in typed, you know, who's this? And he didn't answer. And then like two weeks later, I was like, Oh God, this is bugging me. I was like, who is the artist on this? You know, he's like one of those people not on Facebook that often. And so then finally one of our other high school friends came out and he was like, I think it's Chet Czar. And he wrote T S A R. And I was like, <laughs> Czar, like this guy's name, like after a Russian czar, like a, a <laughs> king or something. So I went to Google, you know, or whatever platform I was on and uh, typed in, you know, Chet, T-S-A-R. And of course, it was like, do you mean Chet Z-A-R? And all these images popped up and I was like, whoa, it just like floored me. I, I couldn't believe it. So I went into chetzar.com and like went down the dark art rabbit hole and was like looking at all your stuff and was like, I got to figure out who this guy is. So after that, I was like kind of a fanboy for a while before we knew each other. Like I was like, I really want to get to know who this person is because how could they be painting these things that I thought I had only I had seen, you know, and it like laid so much credence to the notion of the collective unconscious and this, Mm -hmm. this, connection that we have to people whether we even know those people or not you know had you seen uh like giger and stuff oh yeah yeah giger was part of my childhood when i i mean this is 2000 i'm 37 2010 was seven years ago so i was 30 when i found your artwork i saw giger's work when i was like nine right you You know did you feel that way about about his work as well oh yeah oh yeah yeah actually no i take it back it wasn't nine i remember the first time i saw a giger piece it was in the seventh grade, and I was doing a uh, one of those class projects on we had it was on drugs. You like you had to pick a drug, and so of course I picked psychedelics, <laughs> like hallucinogens, because I was like I had never done them at that age. I was like what, thirteen or something, twelve. But I was like, oh my god, I want to do it because th- it makes you see shit that's like not there, which I see shit that's not there all the time. And so it made like I was like that's you know I was drawn to it. Right. And in one of these books, I was looking through it, and it was like one of the ones in the school library, the junior high and it had a picture and it was like if you lsd and then it had this like picture and it's the mirror one where the face is all down like that and there's like a a a line in it and there's Uh like a face on the bottom and a face on the top and they're different and the faces are kind of like melting together it looks almost like a guillotine anyway that piece was in there and i was like whoa like that's the kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i've seen so yeah i had that same feeling with him but never had i seen something painted that was exactly something i'd seen and that was that's the difference pipe huh. dream i have seen it exactly with the five everything like, really? i've seen it yes <laughs> that's crazy like, I, I mean i tell you this over and over and you're still <laughs> surprised by it that's why why we're even doing dystopia was because i convince you that it's a real thing on whatever level <laughs> but anyway so i was so profoundly affected by it and originally what I did was I was writing my book, which you guys have now heard about, Emails from Infinity. I was finishing it. I was actually finalizing it at that time. And I was like, I'd love to have this guy do art for my book. Now, being the naive you know, <laughs> newbie to Facebook that I was, I was like, hey, I'll just send him a message. you know. Like I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who you had anything to do with Tool, although I've been listening to Tool since I was 13. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. I, did, I, did. I was just like, oh, he's cool. He's got cool art. So I send him you this long message, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm writing this book and I'd love it if you did, you know, and of course you gave me the brush off at first. You were like, you know, you were like, well, you know, that's great, but I don't really have time to do collaborations with people because, you know, I got to do my own thing and make money and da, da, da. And I didn't know anything about dark art, fine art, you know, yeah, the, the right. art world, the, you know, none of it. I was, I had no fucking I idea. was probably some rich guy or something. Yeah. I yeah. Some know. rich artist who's just like, eh, <laughs> just picking and choosing his projects. Right. So, <laughs> so then a, a year later, 
I approached you again, but this time I was, I was, uh, it was because you were going to be in New Mexico and you were going to be here for the Paradise Artist Retreat, which was at the Tamayo Lodge down in Bernalillo. And I was like, oh, this would be so cool if I could get out of work because I work, you know, I only work like an hour and 15 minutes north of there. So I was like, I could drive down there and meet this guy in person. This is, this might be my chance, you know? So again, I'm just being the fearless guy that I am. I just sent you another message. I was like, Hey, I see you're going to be in my state. And by then I understood Facebook and who you were and the level, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. I still didn't care. I was like, I don't care. Send you another message. And you were, you were super cool. That's the thing you were like, Oh yeah. Cause I asked you, I said, uh, out of the three classes you're teaching, which was Photoshop, uh, sculpting and painting, which one do you think I would benefit the most from? And then I kind of told you about myself and you were like, Oh, I think Photoshop would be the best. And I was like, I still stand by that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. I think it's the most I got, useful. I still have all the notes. I've <laughs> okay. a lot. Like I, that day shattered my mind because I was like, oh my God, I've been wasting so much time. <laughs> you know, that was the biggest. and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Totally blew my mind. I was just like gobsmacked. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I knew you, but you were cool. You were like, uh, you just have to pay for the class, but I get free passes. So here's my telephone number. Text me when you get to the front desk. I'll come and get you a free pass. So here I am like, okay, wait. First I get the brush off from this guy, but now he's like being super cool to me for no reason. And now I know who he is and I realize that he's like a big deal. And I'm like, huh, okay, this is kind of cool. So I figured what a cool dude. So I meet you at the front desk. You were totally cool. Yeah, come on down. We went in the class. There was only like four people. Right, I know. (laughs) Slide you to myself kind of, you know? (laughs) So we hung out, we chatted. I brought you a gift that I had made that Mm -hmm. I've been using in Ritual Magic for a long time. And, um, you know, I made my impression, whatever. And then we didn't get a talk. I wanted to talk to you, but you were so busy, right? running around. I remember you just kind of standing there sort of like patiently waiting. I felt bad about it. You know, (laughs) I did. I did. I wanted to talk with you too. You know, it was just one of those things where it was just completely, you know, overwhelming. Of course, now I understand because I've been to those on the inside. So I know how it works, you know, I mean, multiple of them like that. But at the time I just, I wasn't even worried, man. I brought like all my ritual art stuff and I just set out in that main area and did my sculpture stuff. Oh, that's with right. That's right. You were working black. on your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I just did art. I soaked up all the vibes. Random people came and talked to me. I hung out with this group of people, had dinner, drank beer. So anyway, it was a fun time then. So this is kind of the crux of the story. I get home. It was like a day later and I fall asleep and I have this dream and it was like, as I've kind of mentioned to you guys, if you haven't listened to the dream episode, you should listen to the dream. Episode. If you're only here for the dark art, you know, marketing and galleries, that's cool. But if you want to understand this, listen to the dream episode. So for yeah, all right. of you that have listened, I woke up in a dream, okay? <laughs> like I do. Right. I like slam and I'm it's full I'm fully lucid. It's like I'm in it and it's a pre-existing drama and I'm just a part of it and I'm making a documentary about Were Chet you Zara. aware that you were awa- in a dream? Aware. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. I was told and I could make decisions and but I was but still But you knew you I were dreaming like, or whatever absolutely. you were. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I was taken with the, the pre-existing drama. So while I was able to make decisions and like engage in it, I still was like motivated by this drama that was going on. So it was still kind of like a dream in the sense that I was aware, but I was also almost unable to detach from the existing drama and feel like right. my waking self would. And have yeah, that I've had that happen before. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But very lucid. And and the whole thing, like I remember right now, I can see it in my head. There was there was this uh, black building. Well, not black building, but it was nighttime. And there was like a, a porch that went around it that was above the ground that was like a uh, covered kind of balcony walkway area. 
and I had a camera and there was like people around and vans and like it was way bigger production than our <laughs> film. Right? You know? And there were like, you know, tripods. That's and a dream. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And then I like came upstairs. I walked up to this thing and you were, it was nighttime. The stars were out and you were leaning on the railing. And I was like, oh, I got to go talk to Chet about whatever the shoot was or something. And I went up and I leaned down next to you. We were smoking. And we were just talking about like the shoot and how the film was going to be. So I like I was t- basically telling you how great the film was going to be. And you were like, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. You weren't like real sold, but you were just kind of blase about it, you know. So anyway, I woke up from that dream and I was like I was so profoundly affected by it that I immediately was like, oh, I got to send him a message. So I just ran in and I hadn't done film at that point, worked on film in like, God, 10 years yeah, right. at, that, at that time. I just been writing for a decade. Right. So I just typed you a message. I was like, "Uh, dude, I want to do a documentary about you. I had this dream about you last (laughs) night. I was making this documentary about you and I'm a filmmaker and I don't think we really got to talk about all that and blah, blah, blah. And that was what, where it all came from. That was the the seed of, I suppose that, that whole documentary. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. If you think of what's so interesting about that too, is, um, you know, all of this has come from that, you know what I mean? From Mm -hmm. that, 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 uh, interaction this documentary has really sparked the whole idea of the dark art society you know that's when we started thinking about it a lot um dystopia dystopia and uh the podcast you know it's it's a lot came from that and it's just weird how i don't know when things are maybe uh you're you're supposed to do things you are you get the nudge you get the spiritual nudge through dreams or whatever you know it's just so important to follow those things i think you know Mm -hmm. well and and ego death i mean ego death happened during that yeah there was so many mom passed away your stepdad passed away i mean it's just incredible the amount of things that you even say look at that picture of me from the day that i got the money for the first kickstarter and i'm all smiling into the camera and you look at my face now i seriously look like i've aged like oh yeah you look you know, yeah, you looked like a little boy. <laughs> you looked like a little boy, and and you're in the first picture. It's not like it aged you in a bad way. It's more like it's you know. And I know you were already a man, but it's almost like you became a man or something. <laughs> you you looked young. You looked young Girl, for your age. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> You'll be a woman soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it really. I, 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 you know, on some level, it seemed like you really you changed and. I don't know. You just look more, you just, yeah, you have aged a lot, but it's not a bad thing. It's funny. You look older, but you don't look like haggardly older. You know what I mean? It's like experience or wisdom or something. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to put my finger on, you know, but I, 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 this would be a good time to say too, you know, when I first did the, the started painting and started getting into that, it was very much the same way. Like I, knew that I wanted to get out of effects and I wanted to do my own thing, become a fine artist. And I just, you know, had a few signs that were sort of, I felt I took as signs like Adam Jones. I remember telling me uh, how much he liked my paint jobs on my makeup effects. And that just, for some reason it clicked. Oh, I wonder if I, I wonder if I should try painting. I never tried that. Not painting effects, which is what he was talking about. Because I was known primarily as a sculptor in the industry, but I also was a painter in the industry, like painting creature suits and masks and stuff. And um, when he said that to me, it just a light went on in my head. Oh, I wonder if I should paint. And then there was the Clive Barker thing where Clive Barker, 
I was trying to get a uh, digital work from him. Cause at one point I started a digital effects company cause I was trying to get out of effects, makeup effects that way. And um, I sent him my reel and he, and he suggested, you know, I don't have any work for you, but if you, I think you should pursue fine art because you have a vision. And that was, it was kind of those two things in my, and also um, Lisa, my wife telling me when I showed her that <clears throat> Mark Ryden uh, book, I, I, Anima Mundi, I think maybe his art. I think it was his first art book, and mm-hmm. and uh, she was like, I was like, I said, I'm thinking about you know painting. I really like, I really like this guy's stuff a lot. I want to do something like this kind of. And she's like, you could do better than that, <laughs> which is hilarious because <laughs> Mark so Ryan, <laughs> yeah, Mark Ryan's amazing though, and I would never compare myself to his his uh, skill level for no, sure. No, but that's what's but so still, great about was... Lisa. She just she just <laughs> says exactly what she's thinking. She's so straight. I know, you know? I love that about her. Yeah. So so but I jumped in as well in that in that same way that you did where it's like I didn't have a plan. I didn't think how am I going to do this? I'm just like, okay, let's just do it. And then you put one foot in front of the other and yep. you don't need to see all the way down at the end of the road. You just need to see what's right in front of you and if you're kind of I I believe if you you know, you trust this, this path, you know, you trust what you, you know, as far as you can see, you, you'll, the, the next step will be lit and the next step will be lit. It's about trusting yourself kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, and productive leaps. I mean, that's the thing is like, right. we, we all know how to take destructive leaps in our life. It's really easy to do those. Actually, the hard ones are the productive leaps, you know, right. those are the really scary ones. And really, when you think about that famous, you know, quote that, uh, uh Marianne Williamson quote that, uh, Nelson Mandela eventually was, is famous for in his inaugural speech, you know, we're more afraid of, of our greatness. Really. That's what what really scares us yeah right you know yeah and it's true it's it's that's the that's the terrifying part but if you take those risks those potentially productive risks you know and it, and seemingly it's like well what's the risk i sent some dude a message he's not going to respond but how many people out there wouldn't send the message at all right because right. that would be too scary and it's right. like what do you have to lose you're right. only <laughs> the game here if you don't do it you know nothing's going to happen so yeah. you've already lost yeah you know right. but th- my first question for you like you said i didn't know how the fuck i was going to do it my first question was okay well how are we going to you know how do i pay for this oh yeah that's a good story too <laughs> you know I, I didn't know i was like right. oh, okay great he's gonna let me make a movie but my equipment is antiquated <laughs> from a decade ago i don't have anything you know i can't really make a film last time you were making film i mean were you even editing on a on a computer back then I was, but it was square frame. So that tells you how old right, it was. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, NTSC, that right there, yeah, yeah. square like frame. TV. Yeah, that, I remember saying, okay, what do you think the budget's going to be? And then <laughs> that's my favorite part. This is a good part. And what, you, you were like, us. you said, what, 15? 12, 12, $12,500. $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, $12, and. And I said, well, what did Best I Best advice I ever got right here, people. <laughs> yeah. I said, you should probably just double it, right? Yep. Yep. That's what you said. That's kind of a, you know. Just and that's from, exactly what I did. And that's what we asked for. Right, right. So we doubled that. And then I, and then I think I told you about Kickstarter, right? You did. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing was from you. Basically, I told you I want to make a movie about you. And then I was like, how am I going to even do that? <laughs> and you were like, well, let me see here. <laughs> I totally just like started getting you to work on it. It was <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I don't remember who – you know, I knew that Chris- you came up. You were like, you said, "Well, have you heard about Kickstarter?" Because this was 2012, right? So it was pretty mm-hmm. new. And you were like, "Have you heard about Kickstarter?" And I was like, 
I just, and that's the synchronicity was just a week before that I had heard about it for the first time. And then I was curious about it and you were like, well, maybe you should check that out. And then you left it at that. And I wasn't going to push the tide because here you've already agreed to a documentary with me. You don't really know me. And now I'm asking you how I'm going to get the money (laughs) and you've given me a lead. So I wasn't going to be like, you know, asking for more. So after you said, check out Kickstarter, that was the first thing I did. I got my computer on, I brought up Kickstarter. I did their, uh, you know, a 101 guide to kickstarting or whatever. I set up an account because why the hell not? It's free. Mm-hmm. I started building it, you know, and it. I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, it's just one foot in front of the other. You're just like, I don't know what this is. Let's try it, you know. And I knew though. Here's the thing about it is like this is the 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 reason it worked, and this is the truth of it. And you know, I have to be honest. Nobody knows who the fuck I am even now. So they didn't definitely didn't know who I was then. <laughs> so it's like this was all on your back, and that was the deal we made. Was like I said, look, I will do all the work, but you have to promote this with your people right, and yeah. you're, you're get all your big people out there that you know your affiliates to say shit about it so it really it was because of your fan base mm-hmm. that was mobilized as a result of your promoting based on the structure and the administration that i had produced in order you know and you you were running support and that was just in the beginning of course and right. then everything changed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely it was um yeah and and it, it was uh it was it was all about the fans, you know. It was all about the fans getting that money together, and I felt like, you know, I'd been cultivating that fan base for a long time on social media. So I felt like I could, I was in a reasonable position to present that to them, and they might be interested in supporting that. And um, I know that Christopher Ulrich had done one, and he had a successful one, and I knew uh, Yovanka. Um, had done one. She actually gave me some great advice. Yovanka Vukovic, Vukovic. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. She's a director. She's really cool. And um, she did one for a film. So I knew a few people who had done them before. And I think the 44 Flood guys had been doing, Menton and those yeah, guys had been have. doing them by they then. Have. So I, I definitely was seeing it at work. And it seemed like really the only the only way to do it because I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't. I felt like that was the only resource we had because I mean we didn't have money at at all. I didn't have any no, money. It, you didn't have. And any it was mo- funny too we, because we had nothing. Th- we started from nothing yeah. practically. You know what I mean? Nothing. I didn't have anything. I mean, I didn't put any of my own money into it till long farther into it. Right. You know right. what I mean? I mean, I did eventually put a lot of money into it, but that was years later. In right. the beginning, I had no money. I didn't have like a nut that I'd put together. Right. It was like my documentary Chet Czar nut. Like, <laughs> no, I had nothing. I had the idea. See, that's the thing right there is it's like we have all these ideas. I have tons of ideas, but it's like how many of those can you actually do you have the time in your life to make work, right. you know? And when you see one of those gems in the rough, do not squander that, you know? I mean, I had been saying to – uh, to joy for years, I've been saying, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I am really just waiting for a back door and, and I'm just going to b- do my work. I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to learn how to struggle a little bit and how to live without, and I'm going to do my work and do my writing. And eventually, you're talking about working at the casino and, and yeah, and doing trying your to get, eventually and... get into, you know, doing what I wanted to do. I mean, I have a degree in this and I graduated from college and then I just started doing like grunt work. Basically mm-hmm. I was a cashier to begin with, but it was all just like, keep my head down, do my work, you know, just build my body of work, do my writing, don't get distracted, don't go out and try to hustle, don't be some stupid kid coming out of college who's going to go off and go in the film industry, you know, let's just keep your head down, do your work. And so I did for a really long time. And I always was like, 
eventually there'll be a back door. Mm-hmm. Eventually, someone's going to come into my life. It's going to synchronize, and I'm going to see it, and I'm going to know. And when I do, I'm going to go for it. And that's exactly who you are and what happened. I mean, really. And I'm not calling you a tool. <laughs> <laughs> you were a doorway that I knew would eventually come into my life. And so how bizarre then that that doorway would be because you and I share access to this seemingly to this place. Right. Of monstrosities and bizarreties. Right. Dark art is the origin, point of origin in a way. A conglomerating force. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the power of dark art, you know? It's it's wild, man. The whole thing is wild. Yeah. And and it's so weird, too, that then the weirdest thing is – so then I I feel like the reason you felt like you could go ahead and do ego death then Mm -hmm. was because you saw me do that Kickstarter. And at that point in time, to whatever degree, you were still being smart. You were like, it's your film. It's your film. It's your thing. It's your project. It's your film. I'll promote it, but it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. And that was fine because, again, the proof's in the pudding. I hadn't thrown tape down or edited. Right, and, and I'm gonna do full disclosure. One of the things I agreed to, in one of my conditions was, um, I'll let you make this movie about me. But but because I didn't know you that well, even though I was trusting my gut, I was like, I I need the final approval of final it. cut. You yeah, because because I just I didn't want you know I always joke and say I didn't want to look like an asshole, but the truth was I didn't want my name on something that was bad. That was right. the bottom line, bad quality yeah, yeah. wise. It was like it was more about I don't want to be associated with something that is bad. So that's mm-hmm. why that was my my one. Which is smart. Condition. That's a business move. You know, right, that's yeah. what we talked about the two two previous episodes. Right, <laughs> you were yeah. being a smart businessman, <laughs> and I thought it was reasonable because I'm you know I'm taking a big gamble myself. So I'm thinking, well, I'm I'm taking a huge gamble, maybe a bigger gamble than you by doing oh, yeah. this. So at least I could have make sure that it's. Uh, up to the standard of something that I can get behind, you right, know. Right. So that was that was really the um, the bottom line. And then and then as the film developed, it uh, you know I really I really wasn't didn't it's it wasn't formed to make me look like a good guy or anything like that. I mean that was never brought in. I don't think brought up or anything. It's 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 really a pure film. It's 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 you know Mike telling the story based on the footage and. Um, and uh, I, I looked like a nice guy from it, but, but it wasn't like it wasn't like yeah, take this part out where I'm being an asshole to so and so because we, there isn't really any of those moments. I don't think no, you know because no. I well you didn't on to be you know again full disclosure it's like you didn't really get involved in anything right. until we were into post production. Mm-hmm. I mean once yeah, we were cutting true. and and I and at that point we were friends. Like right. we were good friends at that point. So it was like it was just wasn't a thing at that point. But up to that point you just really let me do my thing. You kind of just kept your hands off of it. Yeah. You know yeah. And then once I started engaging you and being like, I want you to watch this. I want you to listen to this. I want you to think about this. I want your feedback. And, you know, then it was inevitably, of course, you're going to get involved. But you never made any decisions as to, you know, the the style or the voice or anything like that. You just basically like a shepherd just kind of herded me along to make something that you would like to see because you have a shitload of experience in that industry. So even if you're not a filmmaker, you damn straight you are. You're Mm. a producer. You know what goes on. You understand all those things you know what works you know what doesn't you have right. great taste you know so again that you you definitely helped mold it there's no question but the voice and the style and all of that that wasn't based on your reflections no, this was no. based on my reflections yeah yeah well uh, w- one interesting thing to, to maybe talk about is the first you for the first interview 
when you came yeah. out because that was, that was weird because awesome. because uh it was so uncomfortable it was terrible <laughs> i hated it the first time i really it was really hard but as it went and and as a result of this film i can do interviews now easily uh, on you know i've for three years or however long you were shooting two years or, or whatever, you know, it really just goes to show that even though you're not good at something, if you practice it, you can, you can get decent at it. Even if you don't, I didn't have a talent for it. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I really have a, I definitely don't have acting talent and, or I didn't have any speaking talent at all. And, uh, you know, the fact that I can speak even this well, which isn't great, but you know, is it's the result of all those interviews from the yeah, documentary, yeah. you know. But you know, just to cue people into it in case they're curious about the first interviews, if you guys want to know what the first interviews look like and which ones those are versus the other ones, there's a couple color schemes to look for. When he's in his studio and there's the painting behind him that God, I can't remember the name of that painting now for some reason. So, Mister, that's not. It's, uh, uh, oh. I hate that. Uh, Everyone thinks it looks like a vagina, but I don't. Oh, that, I know. okay, yeah that that one's kind of untitled. That's one of okay. the only untitled. It was a commission, yeah, but anyway, so you know, but it's a red. It's a, basically the point being is it's a red, you know, style red lighting, red frame, and then there's a gr- kind of a greenish red frame which has uh, uh, chronic anxiety behind you. So those two uh, plates, as it were, were those were the first interviews. And what's amazing, even though you were so uncomfortable. Because of the way that it came together unintentionally, a lot of it because of my inexperience. I mean, for instance, and I, you know, in that particular scene, you're looking at the wrong side of the frame, and I have the camera oriented wrong, so I'm interviewing you off frame to the left, and the camera is frame right. right. And so the thing about that is, is because you were uncomfortable, and because that kind of a framing makes your viewer uncomfortable, it totally works. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it shouldn't work. That's the thing, because you were, and it's like you're stilty. But then the shooting is weird because it's like where is he looking and it's not perfectly off it's just slightly off it's right. kind of unnerving and so it ended up working but we could have never planned that i mean again that's the magic that's the magic oh, yeah. of all of these random confluences of events coming together to create this balance you know it's so wild it's so much beyond anything that you could have even yeah planned. that's the magic you know of but art, we used you know? a lot of that stuff that's what's so funny is you were hating those interviews but there was gold there yeah. i mean really because once you get to know me you talk to me differently then you didn't know me well enough to know how to speak to me and how I was going to interview you. And as an interviewer, as someone who's a documentarian and a journalist, you walk in cold to the, you know, you can, you might, you might interview four people a day and you don't know who these people are. So you have to come in and like immediately build rapport with them and then set all your equipment up in their space and basically dominate their space and then get all invasive and in their stuff (laughs) and tear down and leave them kind of just like, Oh my God, what just happened? You know, like did I, did I, was I raped? Like, (laughs) because it's like, it's, so kind of unnerving to have someone come yeah, in your space and come just into do your house that to and, you, yeah. you know? And so it's funny, though, because, I, I th- again, we used a lot of that because the, the candor in that interview is far different than the candor in any subsequent interview. Huh. Those two, anyway, I huh. think. Interesting. Well, it might have been the uh, – uh, the, the, what's the drink you turned me on to? <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's the thing. Chet was all stilty, right? And I could tell he was super uncomfortable. It was obvious. You know, I mean, again, just because I'm – I haven't done a lot of filmmaking recently. I went to school for filmmaking. I know how to filmmake. And so you get a feeling for things and situations. Yeah, absolutely. So what I do (laughs) is like that. 
I got Hendrix gin because I, I like. First of all, Hendrix gin is the best gin there ever w- that was ever made, and I'll just put that out right now. And I'm a huge Hendrix. If you're listening to me, you can sponsor me because I love your gin. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, cucumber and rose hips. Oh my god. So anyway, I bought a bottle of it. I brought it over to Chet's house because he's not a drinker, and he told me he wasn't. But I thought to myself, I was like, you know. I have a feeling he's going to be nervous. And lo and behold, two hours in, he's super fucking nervous. So I made him a gin and tonic and it totally worked. It man. was it so good. And I've been a, that's, that's my drink now. Not that I still don't really drink, but when I do, I'll have a gin and tonic now. <laughs> You turned me on to gin and tonic. Yeah, it's like tasty. (laughs) It's like really calming and it kind of loosens you up. So yeah, I plied him with gin and tonics in order to get the good stuff. So so, uh, what what are your reflections on the the, uh, first interview where you came with Tom and set up maybe as opposed to the later interviews or I don't know? Tom Tom was a great addition because Tom was like – okay, so Tom Tom? Enzyme. First of all, Tom Enzyme, I studied under Tom. He was one of the, the chairs of the committee that I made my college degree in. So I had a, I had to write my own degree, and I ended up calling it uh, imaginative movie making. And it was a multidisciplinary degree, and the head of the film portion of that was Tom. He was one of the heads oh, of this wow. committee legitimized basically me being able to have a degree that didn't exist before. And so he was the person that kind of provided me tutelage and gave me knowledge and information about that particular discipline out of all the disciplines. And so when I came out of college, I worked with Tom and apprenticed with Tom for on his uh, feature 35 millimeter film, um, the immortality machine. And I did all kinds of stuff. I mean, he, it was cool. Cause he just set me to work. He gave me a little bit of money and, or buy me some software that I didn't have. And he would just set me off on something I didn't know how to do. It was great. He set me up on after effects in 2002 and had me animating these crazy African masks with human eyeballs inside woggling around yeah. and like had me doing costume design and had me write and script whole, excuse me, whole, um, scenes and had me do location like go find location scout and then bring troops of fire dancers yeah he i mean it was great it was just so cool he taught me so much about filmmaking so anyway years and years and years later now of course uh i pulled him back into the fold when i was making this documentary was like tom would you like to come do lighting you know i can get you down there so we set up a deal and i got some you know flyer frequent flyer miles from some other actually from michelle bruno she hooked up the frequent flyer miles that got tom enzyme to come down to la and so i went and picked up tom and brought him over to chats i'd never been to la before and <laughs> and tom did the lighting and it's I mean it's beautiful lighting and the red the red scheme and the, the green scheme they're mm. both they're both Tom's babies and he just I learned a lot just watching him work right because I mean you only know so much and it's been so many years so it was like watching him do his thing I was like okay so by the time he was gone at the end of that set of that week that I was there I was doing it all you know having to set up the shot with Nathan Cartwright and Gary Pressman mm. and uh, you know all of these other shoots I had to set up on my own you know Rick um, LC, all these other shots. Right. So it was just, it was cool to watch him work and I learned a lot from him. But those interviews were awesome because Tom was there because Tom's a kick. He's so much fun. Uh-huh. He's such a cool dude. He's so lively and he was blown away. I mean, I remember when we got done with that first three, I think it was like three and a half hours that I grilled you for. I think it was about three and a half yeah. hours that first time. And we got done and Tom was like, oh my God, what I really want to do, sorry, <laughs> what I really want to do is, uh, he was like, I just want to, uh, take this whole tape and transcribe it and make it into like a chat book. That's All like right. this conversation <laughs> between Chet and Mike, which is ironic because here we are recording conversations between <laughs> Chet and Mike. 
You know, because that was his thing was he was like so turned oh, on right. to the dynamic you and I were having and talking with one yeah, another. Yeah, that's right. I remember he was and like it, after he's like, that was amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we covered like everything that night, oh, that first yeah, night. It went, it, it went deep. deep. Yeah. Definitely went deep. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> once we what is that we were one shadows that handle on there on soundcloud if you're listening right now i know you're gonna drop a twss on that one in your comments. <laughs> i know you will and and i what do you mean by it's my jam <laughs> you like it i yes. like it too it's chet's music though <laughs> <laughs> that's what it means i get confused sometimes that's what it means mike <laughs> well that's what the young kids are saying i'm glad you, is it yes. is that what it means mm-hmm. i'm out of you know i'm a little uh i'm <laughs> Yeah, I'll stop right there. <laughs> anyway, any reflections from the first? Uh... I just found it to be a really philosophical discussion, and I found like – I felt – you know, again, this is the thing that I notice even now watching people watch the documentary, which we've watched a lot of people watch the documentary right. with the film festival circuit and all that. <laughs> um, people feel this amazing connection to you when they're done with it, and that's how I felt after that three-and-a-half-hour discussion with you. Like I came away feeling like okay, – I already felt like I had this amazing connection with you as a result of your artwork and all of that. So it was like – I came away being like, oh my God, like this guy, this guy's like, you know, we're like two peas peas in a pod. But the funny thing about that now, and I have the aha and the laugh every time now is everyone feels that way after spending (laughs) however much time with you. It's like something about you. It's weird. And it's like, it must be disconcerting for you because everyone like, you know, is like, I totally get him. And he's like my brother, you know, whatever. And and that must be weird for you because it is common. It's so common that everyone like they're like I totally know him and I know exactly where he. I I've had so many experiences like. Well, that. that's the and, thing is I I've heard that a lot from from hearing the documentary, which is you know nothing I ever expected for sure. It just never occurred to me as well as making grown men cry. That one never occurred to me either. But uh, but um, I just think it is because a lot of people have a similar life that I had, you know, kind of broken home and, uh, weird experiences that people don't talk about weird kind of spiritual stuff that happens or dream stuff. I think, I think, I think it's more common than uncommon. Really. I just think people don't talk about it. You know so do you I mean? feel like if if we made a documentary about any other person, like you said earlier, that anybody could have an interesting documentary about him, that anybody that watched that documentary would feel that way about that person? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. It depends. Maybe maybe it's because I'm, you and I did not have a, any kind of similar upbringing or anything, and I still have that with you. It's yeah, almost like it's, there's so many layers. And, and again, I, you know, this must it must be so weird to be you. I'm glad I'm not you. You know, because like <laughs> to have us sit here and talk about this kind of stuff just must like I guess you're used to it. I primed you with the documentary, but yeah. it's like kind of icky, you know, because it's like <laughs> talking about the stuff you don't really want to talk about. But it's like you have so many layers and facets to who you are, and because you're such an open person, and because you're so willing to accept your follies and your faults and your mistakes as well as your greatness and your potentiality and you are are a very well balanced individual and so you're accessible and this is my diagnosis mm. and so most people are very multi-tiered but as a result of you being so accessible and you being so transparent the, uh, those those qualities shine through so quickly and that any person you're like every man you know every person can relate to some facet or layer of mm. you who you are and because they're so available it's not hard to see them so that ability to feel that kindredship is so much more readily available in my opinion and that's my diagnosis of it maybe uh, maybe it's the 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 it's that the fact that i was and i'm 
try to be honest. You know, I try, I'm not putting on airs about anything. I'm not, I don't have this persona or anything that, that might be, it's, it's, I can't judge any of it really. It's really, it is weird being in this position. Cause I don't feel, it feels like a different person almost that people are talking about. You know what I mean? So I think it's just maybe the, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> maybe it's, I, I just know that I was completely honest when I was doing the interviews and I'm, you know, honest when I, um, when I'm, you know, when I conduct myself, how I conduct my life. You're just an honest dude. I'm just, I try to be as honest as possible. So, but what that makes you is accessible again, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, you could be right. I just, I feel like I, I feel weird even wondering that. Trying to even reflect upon yourself. That's what I said. That's what, that's why I provided that caveat. It's too weird to even like, and I get it too, because I'll even, here's the thing. You guys don't get to hear these parts of the conversation, but I'll I'll be talking about Chet and the third person on the phone with him. And that's so weird. I'll be like, (laughs) you know, the the thing that's important is that we, you know, we push Chet Czar and I'm talking to Chet Czar (laughs) and you know, it's, and I hate to speak like that, but it's the truth because there ends up being this public entity, you know, and the beauty of having a podcast and being able to do these kinds of things, I think is what you and I really like about it is it's a leveler because it brings us back down to that level of accessibility where we're not special. We're not myths. We're not, you know, we're space monkeys like everybody else, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, 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 I've, I feel good about this podcast. I think something's happening with it. I'm not sure what, but it seems important in some way. And, you know, it's definitely feels like, it feels like the same feeling I had when we knew the documentary was going to be good. That's how I feel about the podcast. Even though it seems like a simple little, you know, everybody's doing podcasts nowadays. There's something, I don't know, it feels important to me for some reason. Yeah. Well, and that actually, I'd like to tell a little anecdotal story as we get down to the the end of this. And I think it's, it's, it fits perfectly with what you're talking about. And that's that, you know, when you and I, thought up the idea. And really, again, it was really more your idea. But when you brought it to me and we started to talk about it, the Dark Art Society. Right. And Christopher Ulrich was a big part of that, I got to say, too. Christopher Ulrich discussing, you know, that idea in the very beginning. He was a big part of that as well. So I want to give him some props. Yes, yes, indeed. And Christopher Ulrich is amazing. And we want to get him on. Yeah, he's going to be on. It's a technological problem that we're dealing with for him right now because he doesn't have some of the same technological resources that that some of the rest of us have. So, but we will get him on. Here, yeah. Christopher's amazing. I met him one time, and immediately I knew he was my brother. Yeah, you know, there's just a question about it. Yep, yep. So anyway, you know, this this dips a little bit into maybe one of the episodes that Chet was talking about us getting to, which is the trip episode. Um, <laughs> Chet and I had this amazing experience while we were doing the documentary, where we in 2014, where we decided we were going to trip together, and the reason was because we wanted to figure out what was like the thing we needed to do to make the documentary what it is, right? And so we came together. I had gone out actually to meet Myron. Myron Walters, one of our executive producers, he backed the second I Like to Paint Monsters Kickstarter in 2014. And he, he, I went out to interview him in San Francisco. So on the way back from San Francisco, I stopped by Chet's and Chet and I took some mushrooms together. And we, that was our whole thing. We went into it like – straight god damn it <laughs> why is that why is i don't know you, I, i'm hearing I'm all these little exactly like i always it's like sorry if this ends up being a bumpy ride guys i i don't hear them because my gains way down and i'm sitting like i always sit i've your hands do you see my naked legs i pulled my pants up even to not bump the mic i'm not even touching when your hands are moving around it's hitting something it might it's something's going 
Sorry. Well, I, I'm going to listen to this when it's over, and if it's not there, then I'm going to. I think Chet's <laughs> on a trip. Then you can already. cut this. You can cut this whole part out. Then, if that's the case. No, I think this is the part that people like is us being silly together. Uh, <laughs> I think it's more important than the rest of it because it's how we are. You know, we could go on like this. Anyway, point being. Uh, <laughs> We, we decided to do these mushrooms together and Chet has a very specific way that he goes about doing that particular ritualistic process and that is that he likes to go in with an intention. You know, He'll sit down, shut off all stimuli, light a candle, burn some incense, imbibe and then you know you go into it with like a specific intention of what you want to get out of it and that's – well, that, that's predominantly the way that you have interfaced with it anyway as far as I understand. Yeah. And so uh, – yeah. I was basically kind of going into it like, all right, let's do it Chet's way, you know, because mm-hmm. why not? And, and you know, and again, we, we'll talk more about all that kind of stuff on a different episode. And there are a lot of things that I actually would like to cover on that. But point being, this is a storytelling moment. So we, we had this amazing experience together, actually, that was pretty profound. And I think what came out of that was, A, the realization that the, the film was going to be as good as it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that also what it was really about, that it was really about this whole dark art. Yeah. Thing. And right. it was, that came out. Yeah, that's right. That came out of that trip was yep. us realized this whole dark art. Element. I mean, we realized we were like, God, people have been saying it all along. We're interviewing all these people. They're saying it <laughs> over and over and over. Right. You know, and it was like a full realization there. And then also that was when you first brought up the, with me, the, the dark art society. Right. So what's interesting is, is that that was almost three years to the month now. Oh, really? That 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 happens. So that's just kind of cool. And here we are sitting here doing this, you know? So it's like, again, one foot in front of the other people. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that realizing, you know, it was sort of, there was a whole thing that happened. And it wasn't, that was, that's the furthest I had ever gone. I, I was... It was incredible. It was incredible. I, which we'll, I don't want to give it away. We'll talk about it on the next on the the trip episode. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, I remember after it was like on the come down, we were talking about that and how it was. It was really more about the dark art movement than about me. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, and that, that was, was the big realization. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and yeah, and like we said, it's um, it's birthed this podcast, and who knows what else you know i know a lot of people well, dystopia seem... too i mean yeah, again just... it wouldn't, if it weren't for all of that we would have never the dystopia thing wouldn't have happened and shit we've we kick-started that guy now it's been all it's been over a year anniversary for the first one so right. you know and that and that that needs to be a whole episode in and of itself because oh, yeah. anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about when we say dystopia chet is chet and i've been well really it's chet but i'm i'm writing it for him mythologizing his world that he's been painting un, kind of unwittingly for <laughs> the past not knowingly anyway for the past 15 years and we're kind of trying to really use the paintings as evidence and then do q a interview stuff which we're obviously real good at with each other we're comfortable with and then flesh out what this place is you know but do try to do it in an almost an anthropological fashion and so, yeah, I'd really like to cover that in another episode. Oh, yeah, too. that would be great. I didn't even think of that. That's a, that would be a good idea. Um, so, I don't know how. So, how is how has your life changed since making this documentary? Because you have probably had the biggest change, I think, than than uh, me. I think that if anybody, it really your 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 life is totally different now. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like a shade of what it was. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I can't even. Uh, you, you have know, your hair it's all long po- now, and <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the hair thing is normal. I mean, I've my hair has been so many different ways. I had dreadlocks for five years. I've had mohawks. <laughs> I've had my head shaved. I've had it long. I've done all kinds of stuff. But really, for me, I mean, again, leaving the casino was the big thing. You know, I'd been doing that for a long time, and I knew that I would leave it eventually, and it was just a means to an end, basically. So that was obviously the the obvious change. But the funny thing about 
that is there's like a biofeedback loop there too because I was making a film about Chet Zar who was telling me that the reason that he left the you know the film industry to go into the fine art was because he was following this Joseph Campbell follow your bliss thing and if you just leap off the cliff and you believe and you have faith and you trust that there'll be a safety net will catch you you know doors will open organically where you didn't expect them to be so ironically maybe or even synchronistically or I don't know because it wasn't by de- design in any way shape or form I ultimately did that second Kickstarter in 2014 and then just quit my quit my job and <laughs> yeah. I had no money and the second I, Kickstarter the was I made like 33,000 I think and then but, you know but that 50, was 15 of that went back to rewards guys right yeah yeah but that <laughs> that was for editing and finishing right that was totally that was for post-production you, yeah that's 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 the point I was uh, well that yeah 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 what I realized ultimately was that uh that I couldn't continue to do both jobs right that's the thing I'd gotten to the point where either I would sacrifice the casino job I was doing while I was there to work on the film or I would sacrifice the quality of the film in order to do the casino job. And so I was like, okay, fuck that shit. I've been, you know, I've been working towards this. I knew this would happen. Eventually I'm doing it. I don't even care. The thing is I knew I didn't have any money to live on. I wasn't going to only, I mean, I basically would have pulled a wage for a month and a half. So it was like crazy, but I was like, no, I'm making a film about someone doing it (laughs) and they did it. And I've always believed that you could do it. And I've done it in minor, well, not minor ways, but in other ways throughout my life in my own way it was just that chet had made it more accessible with the whole joseph campbell thing which again is ironic because i took a this huge course and studied myth and mythology in college and we taught (laughs) we read all about joseph campbell but chet's the one that made it salient for me on whatever level you know made it more tangible and made me realize that it's like it is that simple you know i had a lot of baggage revolving around how i manifested and all this bullshit you know and i've come a long way since then so that's another big change is that i'm more organically Flexible. Yeah, totally. Way more flexible, way more adaptable. And I'm happier and I'm doing what I love that I always wanted to do with my life. And it's seemingly working and continues to seemingly work week in and week out. Little writing gigs here and there for magazines (laughs) and you're getting your your work that you've – uh, emails from Infinity you worked so hard on for so many years. You're getting that out to the public that, and getting it to an audience. That bastard Chetzar wouldn't do artwork for. <laughs> Which we're going to do eventually. <laughs> I just had to bust your balls on it since I told the story earlier. No, you're right. I mean, everything's, you know, again, it, it opened up. The, the the beauty of it is, is that I did the scary thing and I did it in a, in a, in a way that was really even more scary. And I, and it totally worked. Right. And it's fine. And and it's not only it's fine, it's like so much better. All these things opened up to me, all these opportunities. I'm doing what I love with my life. I'm affecting people in the way that I always have felt like was my what I should do, like my path or whatever. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And like emails from infinity again, it's like, this is this book that I wrote. And, um, speaking of which actually I should say real quick before we wrap it up, I have picked a date Friday, May 5th will be the first, uh, full episode of emails from infinity. So if you guys haven't listened, listen to interruption number one on our, uh, on our soundcloud.com forward slash dark art society here. Cause that's a little eight minute teaser. And then the full feature first episode will be Friday, May 5th, and then it'll be biweekly thereafter. And that is soundcloud.com forward slash emails from infinity. Woo woo. Yes. It's definitely worth listening to. It's pretty crazy. It's some crazy stuff. 
And I think it's fun, too, because it also deals with the whole, like, addiction thing, too. Because I was working in casinos. I talk about it in there. I helped this guy that was addicted to drugs who worked mm-hmm. at a casino, you know, and right. I wrote him these emails. And so it's like this kind of success story that's wound into these anecdotal but also, like, profound cathartic moments in my life that changed the way that I perceived the fine line between possible and impossible and life and death and you know, waking and dreaming and all those things. And so it's all woven together to be really entertaining, but also, you know, hopefully inspirational and partly autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll, I guess I'll, I could wrap up my end of uh, the documentary by saying that, uh, like I said, it was a huge, huge change for me. I felt like I, grew a lot as a human being from the whole experience. It was it was a really intense three-year period of just a lot of growth and a lot of things happening and um, a lot of weird cosmic. That's the other thing we didn't really get into is there's so many cosmic things that happen that could – synchronicities, you know, like like the guy uh, – like uh, uh, Rory, and- R- Rory and going – you know, we know him now, but we didn't know him going and sitting in front of the painting and you got to – yeah, you got to see the documentary. That was that's one of the most significant synchronicities I've ever had in my entire life, and I've had a well, lot. Well, if of you them. were there, everyone there could. Fe- that's the thing. Everyone yeah. there felt it. Yeah. There was this weird thing happening, and it was like everyone there knew it. And even if you were not attached to even our scene or yeah, it was anything, pe- it was just random. Everyone people. knew something weird was happening. It was a big part of a big big art show. So yeah, everybody there. There was like kind of regular people just standing there, going, "What the hell's going on?" You've got to watch it, guys. Watch the documentary. It's so awesome. <laughs> but a lot of other weird stuff happened, too. I mean, I, I don't know. We're, we're at the end, I guess. But um, it, it, was, it, was, it was clear that we were doing the right thing, I think. that We had so many signs. You know, I think that, that's, that's an important part of intuition, too, is knowing how to read the signs. You know, and yes, yes. it's not just kind of knowing what to do. It's looking at your life around you and 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 uh, uh god i'm at a loss for words looking it's like looking around at your life and judging things that may be kind of physically manifested signs that you're going in the right direction and i think when those synchronicities come come up it, it's really life telling you yeah you're on the right path the same way that when you have a series of just horrible things happening it, you know it could possibly and not always but it could possibly be telling you you know what you're kind of off course a little bit you know i'm sure that that's you see people that have screwed up lives that are you know drug addicts and stuff and it's you know they have just horrible things happening constantly to them and it's I think a way that the universe or whatever you want to call it responds to how you're uh, living your life, you know, and, and we just had so many things, even though we're struggling, it was always a struggle with money. Everything's, you know, in this whole art life is a, is a struggle financially. But um, there was, even though there wasn't like, we weren't getting paid all kinds of cash because everything was going, everything was being funneled into making this movie as good as it could possibly be. There was enough, uh, enough things that I thought and I think you thought too were signs that we should keep going and that we were mm-hmm. absolutely doing the right thing with no question about it you know yep. I, I, yep. I had no question at a certain point I was like this is definitely the right thing this is you know once we got into it and it got going it's like oh obviously we should be doing this this is yeah <laughs> you know so. well and you, and I was always kind of driving that too with you because I I had such a powerful 
feeling about it from oh, the right. get That's true. before I even knew yeah. you that I was constantly like telling you always. I was yeah, like, whenever, dude, it's yeah. totally the right thing. It's totally the right Mike thing. Was the cheer- the right yeah, thing. Mike was the cheerleader. Whenever I'd be like, uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing it, you know, having my own <laughs> doubts, Mike would be like, no, 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 this is, this is, you know, this is great. This is going to be great. It's the right thing. And so I was, I was always able to, uh, and I still do use Mike in that way <laughs> when I'm feeling like <laughs> doubtful about things. Mike's a good, you know, support system he's always like you know he doesn't but i'm also honest too yeah like if it's not good i'll tell you well yeah no i trust your judgment because you're you know you don't bullshit me just to to make me feel better it's like you know if you believe something yeah i trust your instincts on stuff like that and your intuition so it's uh well i'm trusting his now guys because his intuition is about this podcast and i'm doing it and so and he's at and and again you know i got this track record and chad has a pretty good track record with intuition too so i'm not saying he doesn't but (laughs) he's got a strong one on this as as he stated earlier in this episode so i'm i'm doing the same thing i'm I'm believing chad and i'm going with it (laughs) i wouldn't be doing the emails from infinity podcast if it weren't for him the score for it all the soundtrack is because he got on my back about learning garage band chad's been a huge motivating force and me constantly interfacing with new platforms and new technologies and new facets and new aspects of myself that I didn't even know were available. I didn't know there was anything cool about my voice, but I guess there must be. So it's, again, it's all just, (laughs) you you know, you've helped me a lot in that way too. And that's kind of the, again, one of the big changes that's come out of this is you're always pushing me, you know, you don't ever stop pushing me. You Uh, push a lot, pushy. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. I just require excellence. He does. He does. Here's here's the beauty of it is that if I nail something, like if I got to send something to him that I've made that's for something we're working on, if he just accepts it immediately, it feels so good. I'm like, fuck yeah, I nailed that shit. But because 90% of the time he wants me to change it like 5,000 times before it actually hits anything. So it's no, no, it's it's partly how you are. It's like, again, it's you are. That's part of what makes you who you are. And if I was at odds with it, I wouldn't work with you. Yeah, you know, true. so obviously I'm not at odds that's with just, it. That's just to know? me. That's so important as an artist is that, um, especially visually, which is really where I'm busting your balls about. You know, ads or things like that. Visually, you know, I'm not some great graphic artist or graphic designer or something. But um, it, you know, it's important to to just make things as good as you possibly can. I think it's just important. It's details like that, that really make a difference about how good something is or how much staying power it has. I think, you know, well, and I feel the same way. It's just that like, again, if I didn't have your perspective, because you give, you know, I feel that same way, but sometimes I don't know if what I've made is good. Right, that's right. the thing. Right, and right, so like, right. if I come to you, you'll, and that's why I don't get bothered by it because all you're trying to do is help me make the art be the best it can right. be, whatever it is. Same thing. That's, that's been always been our rule. That was the rule with the documentary was like, not our egos cannot get involved. It's all about doing serve the art and we we hold that as like the, the pact you know it's like yeah. our consensus our special consensus so if you're pushing me you are far more experienced than me and you have better taste than me and you have all of these things that i don't have and so i will i will take what you have to give me and i will learn and grow from it and that's what it should be and yeah, so yeah. that's why it functions so well, well you well, know i guess that's that's kind of the point i was getting at was that um uh that the art should always come first. That's just yes. the bottom line. The art should always come first. The art should always come first. That's it. And 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 it should come before your own feelings or your own 
ego or whatever. It's like, you know, that's the important thing. I, I remember this is off topic and we should probably end this soon, but, um, because we're at like an hour nine, I think, according to this recorder. But, That's okay. Um, we can go a little long. <laughs> but I remember one time on Twitter, I'm just, I guess I'm patting myself on the back for being not an egotistical asshole, but I was kind of <laughs> proud of myself, actually, because it's a hard thing. If you're an artist and you're listening to this, you'll, you'll understand it's a hard thing. It's one time I posted a picture on t- Twitter. This is how long ago it was, back when I was active on Twitter. Now it's just hooked up to my Instagram account, so I don't, I'm not real active on there. But I posted a painting, and someone from uh, a school or something, some art school, like a t- obviously it was someone who knew art, a teacher of some kind, said something like, you know, that, that, that would look a lot better if you did blah, 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 blah. And it was like something to do with the values. And this, when I first saw it, I was like, how dare he? You know, of course, my <laughs> first, in my head, I was so insulted. Like everybody is if they, when they get criticized, you know, even if it's, even if it's po- positive, uh, um, constructive criticism, it's still, you know, your first reaction is you always. You've got to allow yourself to have your feelings. Yeah, yeah. First you're, and foremost. Every, and then think. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, so my first reaction was to be insulted and then i stopped and i thought about it and i was and i and i and i thought he's right this person's right (laughs) and so i changed it and i wrote oh thanks so much because you know i was like the big chet czar and he was some no-name guy criticizing (laughs) my work that that was my first reaction and and then but then i stopped and i and i changed it and i and i wrote Oh, thanks. That was a great idea. And it really made me a better painter because it really was this issue I was having with getting the proper values. Um, and uh, because I, you know, didn't just react emotionally, act on my emotions and just kind of, you know, stopped myself and put my ego in check, I, I really benefited from that person's yep. criticism and it made me yep. a, a better artist. So I think that's that, it right there. That's it. That's right, the cue. Yeah. You just said it made you a better artist. Right. That's why and I that's, will encourage any constructive criticism you want to dish on me because it makes me a better artist. Right. And that's the bottom line. That's that's this kind of God we're serving, if you want to put it into that kind of terms. It's like the art is the God. The art is the highest thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is our own way of mythologizing things in a way, I think, as artists. Art, you know, we think the highest thing is the art. And so it does serve almost in a like a religion should function properly if it was it's it it's about it should be about um sub uh making your ego submissive to a greater thing outside of yourself that is higher than you right and that's the art and uh so that's what i would suggest other artists do when they hear things like that it's you know is to be don't 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 fly off the handle right off the bat, yep. you know? <laughs> well, and, and really it's as simple as, as act, don't react. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that you can have your emotion, you should have your emotional reaction to things. Otherwise you're going to stuff it and that'll make you right. sick. So feel the feeling you have, but don't, don't react. act on it. <laughs> yeah, Just right. chill the fuck out for a minute and then make a cognitive decision to act. Exactly. You know Maybe the I person, mean, yeah, that's the, separate. the person might be a troll and be full of shit and then you could just say something mean or whatever you or want. Or you could just ignore them or and not give them any energy. And that's the thing is that a lot of people, if they are a troll, what they want is they want your engagement right. because they, they're energy vampires. They want to suck on your energy. So if you don't give them anything to suck on, then they'll find someone else to suck that energy off of you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is true. 
And similarly, along the other lines we were talking about earlier to bring the conversation off of our little back around, you were talking about intuition and how that's a big part of all this, and I agree. And for me, I deal with like the – for me, it's kind of the law of three, which is that if I have an omen, which is that something auspicious occurs and I see it and I'm struck by it, you know what I mean, then – I'm waiting for after that some kind of confirmation, oh, that's which is cool. so another three, three times. So you yeah, look so, for it for, so, that's great. So what I look for is I look for the omen. I look for the confirmation of the omen, and then the last thing I look for is my words. Again, it's all dogma, but I look for the agreement. So omen happens, and then I wait. Is there a confirmation? This could be good or bad. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of this, this tool. Okay, there's a confirmation. Okay, is there an agreement? If there's an agreement, that bam, it's three. What do you mean by the agreement? What the, the agreement meaning that? Something else that happens that further corroborates the the original omen. Right. So the thing happens. It's auspicious. It catches your attention. You're like, oh, that's weird. You're driving along, right? And you get this really like weird feeling because you see a rock that's in the road. And then as you come around the corner, someone's kind of partly in your lane a little bit. And you're like, ah, that's a little weird. Okay, you've had your omen. You had your confirmation. Wait for the agreement. You know what I mean? And if you see a third one that's along those lines. Well, what, would the, what would the agreement, attention. what's an example of the agreement? Just anything else. Another one of those things like, okay, so you the rock's in the road. You come around the bend. The person's in your lane. And then you're coming down the road and, uh, you know, you hear you a clink. A car no no not even that (laughs) serious like you know uh uh you hear some kind of a strange sound in your car all of a sudden like uh, a sound that you would you know you listen to your car and you hear a weird sound all of a sudden in your car any that's the 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 difficult part about intuition is it's different for everyone Mm -hmm. right so i could give a million examples but what i'm saying is is that for me if i see something and i get a feeling off of it i'm waiting for two more things to and i'm using different words confirmation and agreement they mean the same thing Two okay, more things okay. to basically say, yeah, that's you should be paying, you should be on your toes, either right. for something good or for something bad, yeah, you know. Because yeah. I like that, ever, I like that idea. That's cool. The, the three, threefold and, deal. And, and, yeah, and for me, you know, again, we, I think a lot of us are hold on to that. You know, you know what you put out, whatever you put out comes back to you. And there's, a, there's a, you know, I'm not a Wiccan. But in the Wiccan tradition, you know, whatever you put out comes back threefold. Mm-hmm. And while I don't ascribe to that particular discipline, I do believe in that particular <laughs> uh, uh, facet of it for sure because right. I I observe it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not you know all I have to do is look around me and and be aware and you see it happening. Right. So yeah. it's not you know it's obvious. The truth is again self evident and consistent over time. <laughs> yep. 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 That's this your has phrase. Been a very strange and fun episode. I hope yeah. it's been. For our listening audience, hopefully a little more laid back, but also some kernels of uh, valuable information and Chetzar Pro tips, I think, you know, embedded in there. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really fun. I hope people like it. Uh, you could I let us. My mic the whole goddamn time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mr. Bumpy Bumps. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you like, if you like, uh, if you like this podcast, you could let us know. The comments are always welcomed and likes and stuff and shares, especially this early in the game. We're trying to get the word out there. I still keep seeing people online they're like you got a podcast so uh, yeah so it's really cool and helpful when you guys share and we we really appreciate it and uh, we just got uh, three more on itunes guys it's really a a huge thing for us if you rate and review us and definitely review because that drives us into the chart so people will see us and i actually chet just saw three new reviews we're up to 18 now Um, i mean that's you know again 18 is great but we would you know definitely need to break 100 ratings and reviews if we actually expect itunes to do anything special for us so (laughs) help us out folks cool Oh, the documentary. Tell them where to buy it. Oh, yeah. If you want to see the documentary that we've been talking about, if you haven't seen it yet, it is really good. 
um, came out really good. I'm really happy with it. And Mike's really happy with it. And people who see it are really happy with it. You can get it at chetzar.bigcartel.com or you go to chetzar.com and there's a link, uh, link to that same store, chetzar.bigcartel.com. And I also have all kinds of other art and prints and stuff that, um, if you buy anything, even $5 stickers or whatever, it all goes towards the podcast and all of our endeavors. So it's helpful because this is kind of a free thing we're doing. So, um, yeah. And then, and that's it. You guys also, um, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but it is on iTunes as well. And the reason I'm mentioning that is not because we don't want you to give Chet your money, but rather sometimes it's just easier for people. People oh, yeah. not has a DVD player. So if you guys go to iTunes and you just look up Chet Czar, even just Chet Czar, it'll pop up. But if you actually look up, I like to paint monsters, it'll pop up a little quicker and you can rent it in HD for four ninety nine, which is pretty reasonable. And if you buy the download of it, again, it's a little less than the DVD. It's not science, not a physical object, no bonus features, but it's only fourteen ninety nine. So you want to see it in HD, that's the best the best way to go about it. Because of yeah, course, DVD actually. is like seven. 20p resolution right even though the dvd transfer came out amazing i'm surprised it's on a dvd it looks like a blu-ray to me but uh, those guys did a great job that's the thing and that was actually one of the synchronicities was that when chad and i first started making the film i told him i was like wouldn't that be great if we got picked up by first run features and then right. years later <laughs> bam that was who we you know we had we were looking at a variety of people and we had some kind of i don't know bidding if you'd call it that but we had some wrangling going on anyhow yeah. and we ended up with them so that was kind of fun that another weird little yeah anecdote. right yeah, there were so many of them but uh yeah uh yeah renting it on iTunes or whatever. It's more this the the documentary really is you know at this point it's not like a big money making venture at all. So um, it's more about just getting the, this thing that we made out there and sharing it. And it's something we think is good and you guys will dig it. So that's it. Yeah, that was fun. Well, guys, take care. Tune in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for us, and look out for my uh, Friday May fifth debut of Emails from Infinity. Hell yes. All right. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Uh, And girls. Later, sisters and brothers. Bye-bye.